For those that don't know, we've been doing a series called Freedom Looks Like. Uh, Freedom Looks Like Something. And each week we've been looking at someone that looks like they've been in a tough place, looks like they've been in prison or, or in lockdown or something, but really they've had an opportunity to experience freedom even though they've been experiencing that hardship at the same time. This morning we're not looking at a single person, we're looking at a whole tribe of people, a whole group of people called the Israelites. And I could have picked any of a hundred passages to talk about this, this message this morning, but this morning we're just going to look at a little season of their time a 40-year window of time that they spent in the desert. And they spent in the desert coming out of Egypt. God rescued them from Egypt miraculously, and they ended up in this time in the desert. And things didn't always go to plan. Things didn't always go their way. And today we're looking at freedom looks like priorities. Freedom looks like making good choices about our priorities. Unfortunately, the Israelite people often remind us of some of the choices we make that uh, maybe aren't so good. The first passage we're going to look at, just for your reference, you don't have to look it up because I want you to enjoy what you're watching. It's um, a story from Exodus 16. It's really interesting because, you see, we often think that we're being ripped off if we don't get to choose. Our freedom's taken away if we don't get to choose something. We love this idea that maybe we could have the freedom of choosing things without any consequences. I remember having a a conversation once. Imagine if the world was made out of chocolate. We could just eat any chocolate that we wanted. We could go around eating chocolate. And wouldn't it be amazing? Just We wouldn't have to choose. We could just eat as much chocolate as we wanted because we've just got the freedom to choose whatever we want to do. Well, I had to say to the person that was suggesting this idea that if you work at the Cadbury's factory, that's actually what you get to do. If you work at the Cadbury's factory, they say... You can't eat it from the production line, because obviously it's all sanitized, but the chocolate that's come off the end of production, you can eat as much of it as you want. And what they said was, within about two weeks, staff don't eat any more chocolate. That's all it takes, two weeks of having as much chocolate as you want. In other words, the freedom to choose isn't always the good thing. Choice is not always a good thing. Now, Our society actually tries to encourage the the freedom to choose as being something that's important. We often have political tussles around the freedom to choose, you know, abortion or who we marry or our gender. At the moment, it's the freedom to choose whether I wear a mask or not. If I don't get to choose whether I wear a mask, if someone's telling me what to do, then my freedom's taken away from me. Um, Now, I'm not making a political statement. You can deal with that another day. But what I'm saying is that... Freedom to choose or having choices still has consequences. You can choose to rob a bank, but it means the consequence probably will be that you do jail time. You can choose to give someone a gift or share an encouragement with them. And the consequence will hopefully be a smile and and some gratitude. Every choice has a consequence. And we see with the Israelites in this circumstance God blessed them with some food. He blessed them with some some provision in the desert. He heard their grumbling and responded to them. And yet in that space, he said there's some important things to consider. Only take what you need to eat for the day. Only grab the quail that you need to eat for the day. Because if you don't, there's going to be some consequences. Now, interestingly, 
God doesn't take their choices away from them. Do you notice that? He doesn't actually take their choices away from them, but he does let them live with the consequences. I'm just going to read from Exodus 16, starting at verse 19. It says, Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I know some people that think like that. I know sometimes I'm like that. Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So already they've gone, I want the freedom to choose. And God's gone, you've got to live with the consequences of what you chose. Bad choice. I told you it wasn't a good choice. They didn't stop there, though. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omars for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy day to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. He's given them some choices, not telling them how to cook it. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Amazing. God made sure that on the sixth day, what you saved lasted till the seventh day. Eat it today, Moses says, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. It all makes sense. It's obvious to us now in hindsight, isn't it? Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. Again, I want to choose what I want to choose. But they found none. Surprise, surprise. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, like it's a gift for for them. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. We get caught up with this idea that freedom is about choice. And yet, unfortunately, often our choices don't lead to freedom. Freedom isn't in a place about choice. Freedom is much more in the place of making good choices, priorities that, that make a difference to our lives, priorities that are, that are godly priorities. We, we see another circumstance that just reinforces this pattern where we get the idea that maybe freedom is in our choices or we might be um, in a place where we think we know better. We think we can make choices that are better and yet God says there's consequences to your choices when you don't make good choices. And I'm just going to read verse 12 from this because we don't get a lot of detail about why Moses decided he was going to strike the rock. God tells him to speak to the rock and uh, we don't know whether he gets cold feet or he just does what he previously was confident doing because he'd done it before with his staff. But he clearly didn't do what God asked him to do and he was under pressure from others. But this is what it says in verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. These guys have made a choice, a poor choice, and there's consequences to our choices. 
It's a tough thing to hear. We don't like to hear it. We love happy endings. But at this point in their journey, there's a really hard, tough ending to the story because of the choices that Moses made. We're going to go to a third story now. Uh, and this one's from Exodus 32. So it's, these aren't in chronological order, by the way. We've jumped ahead and now we're heading back. Um, but they're all still in the desert for the Israelites. So let's, let's get the third story. I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm still talking about choices and priorities, but I want to briefly shift gears to a place of idols um, because sometimes our choices involve idols. An idol is something that just takes the place of God. Basically, that's what an idol is. It's something that we give greater value to than God. And in their case, they were like, they gave up on God and they decided that they wanted to champion something else. So like, what can we do? How about we just, we get our gold and turn it into a calf. And that can be something that we champion and celebrate and party around. Bad choice. Got to say bad choice. But we all struggle with idols. I've been told this by my kids, and I've only seen two clips of this person. Do any kids know someone on YouTube called Cutie Pie? PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Crystal's laughing at me now because she knows what I'm talking about. Apparently, he's got the most number of followers in the world. I don't know how many he's got, but he's got lots and lots of followers. And I looked him up and it's rubbish. I couldn't believe it. But you know what? I thought to engage with the young people today, I'm going to do something like PewDiePie. I'm going to do the top 10 idols of modern times. So this is what apparently PewDiePie does sometimes. He does, you know, counts down the top 10 of something. So education, this often can be an idol in our lives. The word of God says that God is the light of, of, of our path. He, he lights our path, the word of God. And, um, and yet sometimes education can be something that people put up as, as the gateway to a successful life. The gateway to a good future is education. Now, there's going to be some people that I'm stirring up a little bit here. That's okay. I'll justify myself in a minute. We're going to start with number 10, education. Let's go down to number nine, security, safety. The idea that we've got to have everything organized in our lives to prevent every single thing from going wrong. We set up ourselves with insurance and lock our doors and, and, and our whole lives revolve around this idea of security. And we think that that's where um, our trust and our, our confidence can be. And yet again, God tells us that he is our refuge and strength. Number eight, our logic, science and economics. We can think about trusting science as the answer to, to what the future looks like or, or how things are going to be in the future. You know, whether we get a vaccine or not for this COVID, but we can lean very heavily on that. Number seven, substances. Food, drink, drugs, different sorts of substances. Often we can get trapped into a place of seeing hope in substances. Chocolate. No, no one that can relate to me with chocolate. Number six, beauty. Beauty. There's a reason why the worldwide economy of beauty is worth over $500 million, a billion dollars. It's a $500 billion industry. And the reason for that is we idolize beauty. Sexuality. You just have to spend 20 seconds on TikTok and you can see the idea of sexuality being something that, that's idolized or video clips for songs. Number four, possessions, getting stuff, a new TV, a, a new phone, a new 
guitar or synthesizer or, or computer or often we can think my life will be happy, my life will be complete if I just get that next thing. Three, family. Family, oh, hang on. Oh, this is getting a bit close to home. Sometimes we idolize family and what it means to be family. Two, entertainment and comfort. I live for my next holiday, which is going to be a bit hard in this time, but I live for my Netflix. I live for my social media. I feel complete when I get to experience comfort and entertainment. And number one, and it's probably not a surprise because it ties into all the others, number one is, can you guess it? Self. Ourselves. We can think ourselves are the center of the universe. We can actually worship ourselves. We can idolize ourselves. We can make everything about us. And we can get stuck in this place of, of thinking, me, me, me. What about me? What about me? It's definitely an idol that we sometimes struggle with. Now, before everyone starts throwing stones at me, every one of these 10 things can be good. Every single one of these 10 things can be good. They can be healthy. You see, the thing about idols is that they're actually cheap imitations, cheap and nasty imitations of God's good design. So each of these things can be beautiful and amazing and, and phenomenal in our lives, but they can also come as cheap and nasty imitations that distort God's good design. And what that actually does is it robs people of God's freedom. Now, let me explain what that means. Let's, let, let's use an example of beauty. God designed people beautifully. Every single one of you is spectacular and beautiful. That's how God designed you. You are amazing. Just looking at your faces now, I would love to individually say to every single one of you, you are beautiful. However, I'm convinced that most of you would say, I don't believe you. And the reason you would say, I don't believe you is because someone created an idol that was a cheap false imitation of what God was trying to do and gave you a different idea of what beauty was. And then they said, now buy my product and you might achieve it. The problem is, has anyone ever achieved the beauty that they're talking about? Even supermodels have to be photoshopped to be created in this magical thing that we're trying to aspire to. The beauty that God designed has been distorted and robbed our freedom to appreciate beauty. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the beautiful design, the, the good design that God had was then distorted. We were ripped off by an idol that was a cheap imitation. And I could go through all 10 of them, but I won't. I just wanted to point that out as an example that every single one of those things can be good, but they actually come out of God. They come from God and from his design and plan, not as something that it competes against God. When they compete against God, we've got a problem. You see, the issue is I'm not talking about this stuff as a nice idea and as a concept. This stuff is actually something that we want to change how we live based on. And this comes back into the idea of choices. You see, freedom is not about being able to make choices because every choice has a consequence, whether you get to make it or not. Freedom comes with prioritizing, with, with giving choices that acknowledge God as the source of our choices, that acknowledge God as the right way, the good way. 
This is actually a tough thing for us to apply and to think about in our lives. The idea that freedom is actually having God's priorities. That's where the freedom lies. Jesus really struggled. He didn't struggle at all, but people listening to him struggled. He says in Matthew 22, starting at verse 36, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's the most important rule, the most important commandment, most important thing that God has told us is to love God. We saw um, Moses throw a tanty and throw down the tablets when he saw the people idolizing this, uh, this golden calf. And uh, on that, the first one, the first rule that God gave the people was don't have any other gods apart from me. And you go, whoa, he's taken away my choice. He's mucked up my option to choose what I want to worship, it's like you can choose whatever you want, but just be aware there's consequences. If you want freedom, then choose God's way. If you want freedom, then choose God's way. In Mark 8, starting at verse 34, it says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. It's a bit confusing, but what he's saying is, if you choose to let go of your choice for yourself and choose my way, you will actually gain the fullness of life that I planned for you. You will gain, you won't lose. You'll have freedom not being trapped in bondage that these other ideas of freedom try to claim. You see, we've actually been fed a lie. And the lie is that having choice brings us freedom. Has anyone played Monopoly? Anyone played Monopoly? Yep, I see some people. Yep, a few people played Monopoly. I think this lie is a little bit like the game of Monopoly. Because you know what happens in Monopoly? Everyone starts equal with a bunch of money. Yeah, everyone starts in a really nice place of all being equal. But by the end of the game, everyone is in the bad place except for one person. This drawn out process of making choices, it often gets dragged on way too long because Monopoly is a long game. But what it ends up with is everyone loses. And when, when we follow idols, when we follow this lie that says, you know, life is better by making whatever choice you want. Freedom is is whatever choice you want. Just go make whatever choice you want. That's freedom. It's like a game in Monopoly. Everyone loses. There's no winners. You see, freedom looks like making God our top priority. Freedom looks like making God our top priority. And that's not just in our minds. That's not just a nice idea. That's in our everyday choices too. If you looked at my top 10 and you went, ah, maybe... I didn't like some of those. Maybe I'd rearrange them, the order. That's fine. Tanya and I disagreed on what the top 10 would look like. But if there's some of them that jarred with you, that you went, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, That doesn't sit with me. I'm a bit agitated by the fact that that's up there as an idol. I suspect that's probably a good place to start. I suspect that's a good place to go, hey, God, have I put this above you? 
And maybe he goes, no, that's fine. You just have a, a passion for, for family or you have a passion for seeing beauty in people. But my point is they're very real and they actually have control of lives. This is not just a nice idea to think about. This is something that we live in bondage. We live in, in chains when we let other idols take God's place. We see it every day. We see idols take God's place every day and people bound up, not in freedom, because of the choices they've made. So I really want us to take away from this space three amazing stories of the Israelites that hopefully you'll remember because they were done in amazingly creative ways. But remember that our choices matter. The freedom doesn't come from having choices. Freedom comes from making God choices, making God not the number one priority. And when we make those choices, there is amazing freedom that comes from it. I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you so much that you don't take away our choices. Sometimes I wish you do because I make bad ones. And yet, God, you give us the freedom to make choices. And yet you also tell us how to make good choices. God, I pray for those that are now thinking about the idols in their lives, the things that maybe take a priority over you. And God, I pray you would continue to just be merciful and gracious to them. I thank you so much that, that their circumstance today is not the finish, that you have new things prepared for them. You have better things prepared for them. You have opportunities for them that they're not even aware of yet. And yet I also pray, Lord God, by your spirit, that you would break those bondages, that you would break those idols, that you would smash the things that have priority over you, Lord. Lord, I pray as we let go, Lord God, you would replace them by your spirit with the things that you have prepared for us. Lord, I pray you would give us the strength to let go of the things that take priority. And I pray that you would help us replace them with the things that you have for us. I thank you so much, God, that you are a provider. I thank you so much, God, that you lead us. I thank you so much, God, that your spirit uh, dwells within us and stirs us to respond. Lord, we were never called to do this on our own. And you are so amazing at drawing us towards yourself, towards you as our priority. And we thank you for that and we trust you with that. We let you do what you do best. And Lord, we're going to respond by making the choices you've called us to make. We thank you for this partnership. We thank you for this relationship. And we thank you for this amazing family that we get to journey this together with. In Jesus' name, amen.